page 645. Proverbs chapter 20, page 645, verse 19. So we continue our study in Proverbs. And so a priest, a pastor, and a rabbi (laughs) were out fishing one day. And in the stillness of the moment, in the solitude of the lake, the priest spoke. And he said, gentlemen, I need to confess something. Something I've struggled with my entire life and I've never told anybody. Nobody knows about this, he said. But here we are, men of the cloth, and... um, I feel like it's time to open up. And he said, the thing I need to confess is that I have my entire life struggled with greed. And though I've taken a vow of poverty, I have to tell you, I am so envious of what my parishioners wear to church. And when I see them take out of, drive out of mass and their, you know, BMWs and their Lexuses, I, I'm, I'm so jealous of that. And he goes, I have a hard time preaching some Sundays as I see their wealth. And he said, in fact, uh, he goes, I have, hate to even say this, but on a couple occasions, I've, I've taken money from the offering just to see what it's like to have money. And they all kind of went, hmm, put a hand on his shoulder. And, and it was silent. And then a little later, the rabbi spoke up and he said, your vulnerability has cut me to the heart. I've been pierced by your authenticity and, and I feel like this is a safe place for me to share something as well, a sin that I've never confessed. And he said, for years I've struggled with lust. He says, I have... I have foul thoughts at times. I have an impure heart. I have a wandering eye. And I, I've never let anyone know that. And, and so again, a hand on the shoulder and, and a, mm, a thoughtful response. And then finally the pastor spoke up. He said, well, as long as we're all putting our cards on the table, I suppose I ought to talk about mine too. He says, I, he goes, I have a secret sin. He goes, I struggle with gossip. <laughs> and... And I'd actually like to go back to shore if that's okay. Uh, (laughs) Well, today we're talking about gossip. We've been studying the book of Proverbs about how we glorify God with our lives. And the last couple Sundays, if you've been here, we've been in kind of like a little mini-series, I guess you could call it, where we've been looking at specifically our speech, all the different ways we can glorify God and honor God with what we say and how we use our lips. And gossip is a theme that comes out of Proverbs. And so I, I thought, you know, how often do we think about it? Let's look at what the Bible has to say about this uh, topic of gossip. Uh, it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Gossip is so destructive, it causes so much harm, so if you find someone who gossips, I mean, don't even you know, hang out with them. You've got to avoid them. Stay clear of this person because gossip is so destructive. Um, so I was thinking about gossip. And, and as I was wrestling with this text and wrestling with other texts that we're going to look at, I had a question that kept coming to my mind. And that my question was, what exactly is gossip? And maybe you're like, well, duh, I mean, gossip is, you know, talking about people behind their back. It's not good. But wait a minute, the more I thought about it, the more I found it's very difficult to define gossip precisely. You know, talking about people behind their back. Okay, so if two parents talk about their kids one night, is that gossip? Is a parent-teacher conference gossip? 
Is it gossip uh, if, uh, if a friend goes to another friend carrying a heavy burden and they say, I need help thinking this through. Will you give me some advice on how to respond to someone else? Is that gossip? You know, it's, it starts getting kind of squishy. If, if that's what gossip is, is just talking about someone behind their back, then no Christian can work in HR because that's what you do in HR. You talk about people and you look at resumes and you deal with people. Uh, if you've ever been in any kind of leadership position, whether in the church or you've been in management in the business world or some kind of position where you are in charge of people, you know that's what leadership is, is people, is dealing with people. And so leaders have to get together and say, okay, what do we do with you know, this person over here? So, so, you know, the more I thought about it, the fuzzier it got. And the more I tried to say, okay, this is what gossip is here, some other uh, sort of um, thing would squirt out over here that didn't quite fit. And I go, well, wait, maybe that's gossip. And it's kind of hard to get your hands around. It reminded me of the uh, 1964 Supreme Court case where they were trying to define obscenity in pornography. And Justice Stewart uttered those famous lines where he said, you know, essentially he, he couldn't exactly define it, but he said, I know it when I see it. Sometimes I feel like that with gossip. Like I, it's tough to f- define exactly, but you kind of know it when you hear it. You sort of say, whoa, 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 whoa. Something, something's going on here that's not exactly wholesome. So I'd like to wrestle this morning with understanding gossip. We're called to not gossip as Christians, but how, how do we know when we're gossiping? So I want to rummage around in Proverbs rather than just giving you my take on gossip. I mean... You know, that's worthless. But what does God's Word have to say about what gossip is? So I want to kind of uh, look at some different texts and Proverbs that talk about this topic and see if we can get some characteristics. Um, and so kind of think of this like, you know, those jokes, you know you're a New Englander when, dot, dot, dot. So this is like, you know you're gossiping when, dot, dot, dot. And I want to give you three characteristics from Proverbs of gossip and how to know to avoid it. And the first characteristic is this. Number one is uh, gossip. You know you're gossiping when you're starting to share privileged, private, confidential information with somebody who really doesn't have a right or a relationship to hear that privileged information. It's right there in our text, chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip betrays a confidence. Or uh, turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. And so a person who is loose-tongued, will uh, they'll take your information and spread it around. It's like in that story we just, that little joke I told at the beginning. The pastor hears the juicy tidbits and he can't wait to get back to shore so he can start spreading around some really confidential information that people shared in a moment of vulnerability and trust. Um, maybe you've had that experience. Have you ever told something really personal to one or two people? And then two weeks later, someone who you haven't told it to comes to you and says, hey, I heard about that. What, what, what's going on with that? And you go, well, how'd you hear about that? As you weren't one of the two people I told. You know, somewhere we have a leak. And, uh, you know, loose lips sink ships and loose lips sink relationships. Uh, they, they sink friendships because of that. Um, I was thinking about maybe an illustration with this that, that might help. Uh, this idea of, like, classified information in the government. You know, the government has things that are classified that only certain people who have a security clearance can hear. Uh, my dad was in the government uh, right before he retired. 
he, he, he was at a place where he was working for the Secretary of the Interior. And so he had to get a security clearance because some of the information he was privy to sort of overlapped with Homeland Security kind of stuff. So they had to give him a security clearance. So what happened was suddenly people with government badges are showing up, talking to people he knows, saying, who is this guy? Who, who's Bill Rennie? And what do you know about him? And, and so he had to get that clearance to be able to get that information. And so think about it that way. When somebody... Um, is vulnerable with us and shares information with us, it's kind of like we've been given security clearance to top secret information. So what do you do with that? And if you take that and just go bandy it about to other people, it's kind of like taking a state secret and selling it to a foreign government. There's a word for that. It's called treason. <laughs> and you know what they do with, with traitors, right? And it's treason to a kind of, in a sense, to a relationship. Now, are there times when you need to break a confidence and tell a private piece of information? And I think the answer is yes. Of course there are those times. Which is why, again, I think gossip is so hard to define. Because whenever you say you don't do this, there's always this, these little exceptions. So it's tough to put your hands around. But, you know, for instance, if somebody tells you something and they're in danger or there's some situation where their life is in danger, you have to intervene. You know, some of you are in school, you're in junior high, high school, if you have a friend you know, tell you that they're thinking about suicide or, or a friend tell you that they're having thoughts like this or that they're planning to do this, but don't tell anyone. Like, look, you've got to tell someone. I don't care if you're a snitch. You, you do it to save somebody's life. And so in certain cases, you do have to break a confidence. But in general, I think we really have to be people who keep our mouths shut. As it says again in verse 13, a trustworthy man keeps a secret. If someone gives you classified information, you can't share it unless you're sharing it with someone who has an equal security clearance uh, and you have permission. If I'm going to tell person B something that person A told me, I've got to think to myself, what, how would person A feel if person A was standing right there hearing me tell person B what person A told me? Would they be cool with it? Would they understand? Would I have a good reason to them? And so how do you know when you're gossiping? I think, number one, we have to be sensitive with uh, sensitive information that people have given us and be trustworthy people. It's about being trustworthy, having character, being a faithful kind of person. Uh, but then there's a second characteristic that I think we can find in the Proverbs that you know you're gossiping when. Uh, the first is when you're sharing information you shouldn't share. The second is when our motives for speaking are not right. And to me, as I really wrestled with this whole idea of gossip, it seemed that I kept coming back to the issue of motivation. Why do I feel I need to tell you this? Why do I think you need to hear it? Uh, I was talking to a, a lady who was a counselor, and she says when people tell her information, she'll often say, why are you telling me this? What, what do you want me to do with it? And people go, oh, um, well, you know. Think about what is it that motivates us? Because a lot of times, I think when we tell people things about other people, it really isn't from a good motive. Sometimes it's a very um, destructive motive. If you look, uh, for instance, at Proverbs chapter 16. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 28. Sometimes the motive is because we want to hurt somebody. We want to uh, turn people against them. Sometimes we even lie and it becomes slander. And we embellish and we say things that aren't totally true. And then gossip turns into slander. Uh, if you look at verse 28, it says, A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. And so some, one times the reason we gossip is because we're mad at someone. All right, so you have done something to hurt me. But rather than me going to you directly and saying, hey, 
I need to talk with you about something. Instead, what I do is I go to someone else and I say, can I share a prayer request with you? I'm looking for some godly biblical counsel from you and, and I'd just like to share a burden with you. Like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure, what is it? But really, I'm just, you know, dumping the back truck, the dump truck up and, burp, 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 you know, and all the garbage is being dumped on you. And the idea is, I want you to have a low opinion of the person who hurt me. And then I go to this person and I go, can I share a prayer request with you? And, you know, and so I'm sharing all these prayer requests around the church. Or, or wherever, you, know, you go talk around the office or the school. So when the person with whom I'm angry walks into church the next Sunday or walks into the office the next day, you know, they're walking along going, hey, how you doing, how you doing? And the people are going, hmm. And they're like, why is everyone what am, am wearing something? Why is everyone turned against me? It's because the well has been poisoned and the friendships have been sabotaged. And so we have to check our motives there. Is that why... We're sharing this information is that we're angry at somebody and we're trying to get back at them, which happens. Sometimes it's not even that sinister. I think one of the reasons we gossip is because we're just bored. And that's what people do for entertainment. We like to talk about people. It's like we don't know how to talk normally. So we just talk about people. I was, uh, I was with my sister and brother-in-law um, on Friday night and I was throwing this out to them. I was talking about how hard it is to nail down gossip and exactly what it is. And uh, I said, how would you define this? We were talking about that. And my sister was uh, talking about when she was a school teacher. She was a public school teacher when she lived back in Las Vegas. And she said the gossip among the teachers was so rancid and, ra- and rampant that she, she just had to like, stay out of it. When it was lunchtime, instead of going to the lunchroom or, or the lounge where all the teachers hang out, she would just go to her class and eat her food. Because what they talked about in the lounge was they talked about whoever wasn't in the lounge. That's what the topic was. It was like entertainment. Um, and it is. It's so tempting when someone comes up to you and says, so did you hear about so-and-so? Right? Like when's the last time you said, this is gossip, I do not wish to hear about so-and-so? Hey, no, no, you go, really? What? what? You know? What is it about so-and-so I'd like to hear? It's like it says in Proverbs 18, verse 8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Mmm, juicy gossip. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Like when someone says, hey, did you hear? It's as if someone's holding in front of you a plate of fried whole belly clams that have been fried in trans fat oil with tartar sauce. Oh, It's, it's involuntary. You just have to, to take it in. Right, that's kind of like entertainment. Um, we, there's an interesting text that I think illustrates this. It, put a bookmark here in Proverbs, if you wouldn't mind, and turn over to the New Testament, book of First Timothy, chapter five. It's on page 1176, First Timothy, chapter five. Interesting little New Testament text on gossip. So just to give you the background, we're in First Timothy five. Here's the background of what we're about to read. All right, in the early church, in the first church, they didn't have Medicaid. And there wasn't Social Security benefits, and there wasn't a drug benefit. Okay, so if you were a widow, and you were elderly, and you had no family to support you, you were pretty much destitute, because you had to have people to take care of you. So what they did in the early church, when they didn't have social services and wheels on, Meals on Wheels and all that stuff, is the church actually collected money, it appears, 
and they financially supported certain widows in the church who had no other means to sustain themselves. They had like a fund. Uh, and so chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, a lot of chapter 5 is talking about who should be on that list to get this fund. So it's kind of interesting. It's talking about church life. And, and well, Anyway, so look at verse 9, for instance. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds. And it goes on and talks about that. Uh, and then they have the negative. Look at verse 11. He says, As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. So in other words, like, just, you know, they're going to get remarried. Let them get remarried. In that culture, that's how it worked. And then in verse 13, get this. Besides, here's the other problem. They get into the habit of being idle. They don't have to work. They're being subsidized by the church. And they're just going to be idle. And, they, and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, some of us just need to do something. <laughs> we need to get busy and work. It's so easy when, you have, when you're in a position in your life where you don't have to work and you have really discretionary time to start turning it into being a gossip and talking about other people. Uh, it's, it's like entertainment, you know. And gossip is entertaining in our culture. In fact, there's a whole industry in our culture built around enjoying gossip about others. You know, there's magazines like People Magazine and entertainment, you know, tonight, TV shows like that. And all it's about is, you know, which celebrity is having which one's baby and who had what fixed in a surgery, you know, in plastic surgery and all this stuff. And like you, you step back at the end of the day and you're like, this is all just completely banal garbage. Like, why do we, why do we fascinate ourselves with this? I think some re- reality TV is like that. Not all of it, but some of it is. Some of it, some reality TV is just taking people who have exhibitionist personalities <laughs> and need everyone to know about them, so they're a little off. And, and, they're, and they're hooked up with the rest of us who want to know about it because we're a little off. <laughs> and so you put one in front of the camera and one in front of the TV screen and they like, you know, have this sick relationship and people make money off that. And this is just gossip. It's like, what is it about? It's like, what's the point of all that? What is being learned? It's, it's just gossip. And it's kind of enculturated and it's become an industry and people make money from it. So if people can make money from it, of course, it will happen. Um, but why are we sharing this information? Is it simply a need to entertain ourselves because we're bored? Is it because we're angry at someone? And you know, another reason, and this is the one my brother-in-law brought up when we were talking the other night. He said the times he's been engaged in gossip, the thing he's recognized, and he really hit a chord with me on this, that... Underneath it all is this desire to make ourselves feel better about ourselves because we can look down on somebody else. And it's really what sinners do. You know, we don't want to repent and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. What I want to do is convince myself I'm really not that bad. And so it runs counter to the Gospel. The message of the Gospel is that you and I are sinners in need of a Savior. That we're not good enough. We can't fix ourselves up. We can't make ourselves uh, polished up enough for God. That we need to come to Christ and His death on the cross for our salvation. Like, we, like the choir was singing about in that fantastic song. But instead we, we say, oh, I'm not so bad because look, look at this talk about that guy down there. He makes me feel better about myself. And so we don't face our own depravity and our own need for Christ because we look down on others. And so that's the question. What is your motive? What is my motive? You know it's gossip when you're talking about things you probably shouldn't be talking about. You know it's gossip when 
you step back and you say, why do I feel like I need to talk about this? Is there really a redemptive purpose in me sharing this that's going to help someone? And it's really hard. I think that takes a, a, a deep level of self-knowledge. And I think it's easy just to talk. <laughs> this talk. And usually gossip is not far behind. And then the third characteristic of gossip. You know when it's gossip when. And the third characteristic is when people start getting hurt right and left and relationships are broken. In other words, look at the fruit of gossip. Not only the content, what we say, not only the motive, why are we saying it, but then the results. What happens because of what has been shared? And when the answer is that you see a series of fractured friendships and relationships, chances are it was gossip. Because that's what gossip does. Uh, again, look back at Proverbs. Back to verse, chapter 16, verse 28 that we read before. A perverse man stirs up dissension and gossip separates close friends. Or look at Proverbs chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Divisions uh, are so often fed by continuing sidebar conversations here, there, and everywhere. <clears throat> Gossip will break up friendships. It'll ruin business partners and their relationship with each other. It's just so damaging. Gossip will ruin churches. And many of us here have been in churches growing up. Different, all different kinds of churches. You know, big churches, little churches, <laughs> Protestant churches, Catholic churches, you know, all different kinds of churches we've experienced. And, and we've probably had an experience of gossip run amok and the rumor mill grinding people down in those churches. And it just is so destructive. It sucks the life out of the church. You want to quench the Holy Spirit? Start a rumor mill. Do you want to undercut the power of the, of the preached word in the church? Then start talking about one another. Do you want to see uh, the church turn inward and stop having an outward focus? Then let's continue to whisper stories to each other. And the sad thing is when a church becomes uh, infected with the virus of, of gossip and talking, everyone's no one's dealing with each other directly, but they're all sort of talking around the circle. You know, God wants us to deal directly. God's looking for straight lines. Gossip is a circle. Gossip is not a straight line. And so when, when that starts happening, it just infects the church. So this is the really sad thing, is that some guy or some lady says, you know, I've been away from God, I've been away from the church for 15 years, and I've been off in, the, in all kinds of crazy things, but I feel like I need to give this a try. I need, feel like I need to come back. And so they step foot in church for the first time in 15 years, and they sit down and they talk to people during the service and after the service in the coffee hour. And if all they hear is... You know, you don't have to be... A genius to figure that out. And then you go, ooh, yeah, this is why I left the church. All right, I'm gone again. And it's sad. You know, the gospel is impeded. We impede the gospel through gossip. And really, if, if I think about gossip, underneath it all, somewhere lurking beneath it, is a diabolical reality. I was thinking about the first gossip that was ever told in the Bible, the first slander. And it was not told by a human being. It was told by a serpent. And the serpent came up to Eve and he said, 
was, he whispered, what was that thing God told you again? Oh, he said, don't eat from this tree, don't even touch it. And, oh, that's not going to happen. God wouldn't say that. He was challenging her to question the goodness in the Word of God and to, to twist God's Word and to really malign God's character. He was slandering and gossiping and whispering in her ear. The first temptation was not some huge production. It was just a little whisper in the ear. And when whispering uh, infects uh, churches, when whispering uh, comes into congregations or comes into your office or comes into the school and people are around the edges, if you listen really closely, you can almost hear a hissing sound. It sounds like hissing. And so, so is its source. But brothers and sisters, we have been saved. We have been transferred from the dominion of darkness and we have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We have been rescued from the grasp of the serpent. We've been rescued from those suffocating coils. And we have been raised with Christ. Though we live here on earth, it says in Ephesians, that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We have been taken out of this age, which is passing away, and we have been brought into the age to come. And so although we are still in this world, already the kingdom of God is here, and we are already members of the new thing that's happening. We are no longer bound for hell because of our sin, but through the forgiveness of Christ, we're going to heaven. And so we need a completely different way of relating to each other than gossip. And the way that Christ has given us to relate to each other is very simple. It's love. And if I love you, then I cannot gossip about you. Because gossip and love are mutually contradictory. They extinguish one another. If I commit myself to gossip, I will extinguish love. If I commit myself to love, I will extinguish gossip. Because if I really love each other, as we should in the kingdom of God, then there's no place for all of this whispering and talking and backbiting. Everything's going to be changed. Look with me, uh, this is the last text I'll take you to, look with me at the book of uh, John, the Gospel of John in the New Testament, chapter 15, uh, verse 12. This is during the Last Supper, less than 24 hours before Jesus goes through His Passion. John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So this is a command. This is not optional. This is not just for you know, missionaries like John Templehoff. Well, now that you're a missionary, we have a special job for you. It's to love. It's all Christians. This is for every believer uh, that we're called to love each other. It's a commandment. It's not optional. It's not if we feel up to it. We're called to love. And look at the kind of love we're supposed to have for each other as Christ has loved us, which in light of the fact that He was about to go to the cross is a mind-blowing kind of statement. And I was really wrestling with that this week when I was thinking about this whole idea and I was reading that verse. I was like, do I love you so much that I would be willing to die for you, my fellow Christians? Do you love the Christian in the pew next to you so much that you'd be willing to die for that Christian? And I was like, like I don't even like being inconvenienced for you. I mean... <laughs> so selfish 
I don't even like when people are in my way in the parking lot. I'm like, come on, you know? Let's go. We, we don't even want, you know, we don't want to go out of our way to do anything, let alone to die for one another. I mean, the love of Jesus, we talk about the love of God, and churches talk about God's love. I mean, are you really serious? Do you know how much God loved us? That His Son would die for us? I, I can't even imagine. Jesus says, verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. So already He's anticipating the cross. He's defining love by what He's about to do on the cross. Wow, that is real love. And this is the kind of love that God wants me to have toward you and us to have toward one another. And my point is, if, if I really love you this way and we really love each other this way, there's no room for gossip. Gossip can't live in that kind of love. That kind of love will suffocate gossip. Because if I love you like that, I won't tell stories out of school. Because I will protect your reputation. And if you tell me something private, then I'm going to honor that because I love you. And I... I I honor the fact that you've shared something very personal with me. I'm not going to go tell other people just because I get some sick pleasure out of it. Because I love you, right? You know, going back to that original joke, there's kind of a serious part of the joke, which is, like, wouldn't it be cool if we trusted each other enough in the church to actually share some things like that? You know, the deep, dark things. We usually don't. It's like, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fine, I'm fine, fine, fine. But it's like, like, what if you're not fine? Well, I couldn't tell anybody. But what if, we, what if we loved each other enough that this was a safe enough church that somebody who did have a problem with greed or a problem with drinking or, or you know, lust or whatever, we could actually get past the shame of that and say, I need help. I want to open myself up. And we could if we really loved each other. There would be a, in a context, there would be an atmosphere in which that would happen. If we really loved each other, we would have a motivation to protect each other and to do good for each other and to... To give ourselves, you know, I think about my family. I, I love my family. I'm very protective of them. You know, I'm Mr. Nice Guy Pastor, but I'm telling you, if you mess with my family, I, I go nuts. I turn into an irrational lunatic. It's happened. At different times, I felt my family threatened, and suddenly I'm like the Hulk. I'm like, rawr, you know, rawr, <laughs> I go crazy. I, I just become, very, I regress back to, you know, pre Christian days. It's my family. I love them and I would die for my family. But then God says to me, this is your family too. I'm like, okay, why don't I feel the same protective instincts and the same defensive instincts to guard your name and your reputation as much as I would my own children and my wife? And so we have the right motivation if we love each other. And if we love each other, we're going to bring each other together. You know, gossip pushes people this way. Love is a gravitational pull that draws people together. Wherever love is, people come together. It's a powerful force. Um, and so we're, we're not going to... And if we have issues with each other, which is going to happen, that's the thing. Like, yeah, if we have a loving church, then we won't have fights. <laughs> we're still sinners. We still have different personalities. We still have different ideas on the best way to do things. You know, that's why committees are such a problem. You get all these people on a committee and they have all these radically different ideas of how to solve the same problem. So how do you work that out in a church, even a loving church? And the answer is, I said before, you've got to go directly. If you have a problem with someone, go in a straight line instead of in a circle, instead of talking it up with other people. And, and you know, if someone else comes to you and says, I need to share a prayer request with you, and then they start about someone else, at some point in the conversation, we need to say, hey, um, can I just ask you a question? Have you shared all that with the person that you're talking about? And they'll say, 
not yet, you know. <laughs> or they'll say, yeah, 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 I shared it. Then you've got to follow up and say, well, what did you say? Oh, uh, well, I said, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It'll be some lame thing. And it's like, I don't know if you really said it. Just try it again. Go back. And so we have to talk to each other. And, you know, sometimes it takes more than one meeting to work something out with somebody. Hey, we had a meeting. It's over. I did my part. No, no, no. It's going to take a couple meetings because it, relationships are tricky things. But I don't want to be inconvenienced by having to meet with someone more than once. But if we love each other, we'll be willing to be inconvenienced because we will see the unity of the body of Christ as more important than even our own personal preferences. And so love, love draws people together. And so let me just... Uh, application questions here. Application question number one is, is there someone with whom you need to, to uh, have a conversation that you feel like you're, you're at odds with? I, had, uh, I, I heard a great story from a, a, business, a business person who was saying that he'd had some troubles in a company, had left the company, and had some really hard feelings towards some of those people in that company. And even after he left the company, for years he had harbored these feelings. And one day he's like, I can't do this anymore. And so he called them up. These people weren't Christians in this company. They're just people he worked with. He said, call this guy and said, can I have coffee with you? And so he sat down for coffee. He says, look, I just need to ask your forgiveness for something. And the guy was like, what? He said, you know, I don't agree with what you did back in that company, but I want you to know that I've had these really angry feelings for you for years, and I just want to ask your forgiveness for harboring that against you. And the guy was like, you know, jaw hits the floor like, what? What a powerful thing that is to deal directly with each other. And if there's someone here in the church with whom you feel like there's static and unresolved things, can I challenge you that before the next time we have communion, that you'll go talk with that person. Because if we take the symbols of Christian unity while being aware that we are at odds with others, it says in 1 Corinthians that we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. And so let's have short accounts. Let's deal directly with one another. And then the other thing is, maybe looking at the same application but from the other side, perhaps the call of love today is that we need to forgive some people who have slandered and gossiped against us. That's hard. But then I think of Jesus. Like, man, that guy, he was slandered. <laughs> he went around hanging out with the people who needed God's love and grace the most. He hung out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and all the bad people. But rather than seeing the grace of God, they started gossiping about him. And they said, oh, look who he's hanging out with. He must be a glutton and a drunkard, they called him. And so there's this rumor mill about the kind of person Jesus was. He was betrayed by his closest associate when he stood before the Sanhedrin a few hours after the passage we read in the Last Supper. Uh, they brought false witnesses in who made up stories about him trying to start these, these phony stories. When he stood before Pontius Pilate and the, the Jewish leadership was there accusing him, uh, they said, this man is advocating sedition against Rome. Which he never did. It's lies, slander, gossip. And that gossip and slander landed him, humanly speaking, on a cross. You know, I've been hurt by gossip, but I've never bled for it. He bled for gossip. It was so bad that it cost him his life. And so if there was ever a man who was gossiped and slandered, it was Christ. And yet, what did he say on that cross? 
He said, Father, forgive them. I've never, ever heard of love like that. Nobody has ever outloved Jesus. He's amazing. And so if I have been forgiven so much by Christ, can't I forgive you or you forgive me the wee bit that we have sinned against each other? And so we're called to a radical forgiveness because we have been unfathomably forgiven. Amazingly forgiven. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Please take the celebration hymnal and turn to number 429. Number 429, they'll know we are Christians. Would you please stand and let's sing this in response. They'll know we are Christians by our love. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, we are one in the Spirit, we are one. 